Amen. Turn your Bibles this morning to Hebrews chapter 8. Once again, as we did last week, but I also want us to turn, after you've got your finger there in Hebrews chapter 8, I want you to turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. Hebrews, I'm sorry, I said chapter 8, Hebrews chapter 11, and it's going to be verse 8, and then 2 Peter chapter 1. Let's stand, please, for the reading of the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to read verse 8 through 10. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Turn to Second Peter chapter 1, just a few pages further in the New Testament. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 1, and we'll read to verse 4. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto this life, unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these, that is, by these promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. I want to preach you this morning the third part of our mini-series, Looking for a City. Today we're going to talk about looking for a cities, looking for a city partakers of the divine nature through the eyes of faith. Partakers of the divine nature through the eyes of faith of faith. Let's pray. Father in heaven, your name is holy. You are high and lifted up. We as natural men, Father, speak of the things of this world. Father, I pray this morning that you'd help me to speak of something beyond this world through your eyes. Through your words. Father, I'm not an adequate person to portray this truth this morning, but I pray that your word would be quick and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. God, I pray that you'd change our minds, that you'd renew our minds this morning afresh to understand that we don't have to wait for eternity to be a partaker of your divine nature. And I pray that as we assimilate your divine nature in our lives, that you would be lifted up and men would be drawn unto you. In the name of Jesus, I bind Satan and his forces 
the spirit of pride, the spirit of fear, the spirit of sensuality, any spirit that would distract us, Father, I bind in your name. I pray that your spirit now would speak, and all those who have ears to hear, Father, let them hear. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I don't know exactly when it came about. I do, know, I do believe it's in the 70s or so that it became a prominent theme of what we call a superhero. It became, the Marvel comics began to make it a very popular thing through the comics, through the cartoons, and now today they've once again reintroduced it to society through movies of the superheroes, different ones, and some of you would know them, some of you would not, but Captain America and Superman and Spider-Man and these superheroes. I've often marveled that the theme behind these superheroes is a concept that was given to us in Scripture, but that's been twisted by the minds of this world. Usually the plot behind the story goes something like this. There's a God in another world. And that God from another world sends his son to the earth. Because there are forces of evil that are trying to destroy the earth. And he sends his son to help protect the earth from the forces of evil. I propose to you today that you and I are from another world. Our Father has sent us here to fight for His kingdom. Against the forces of evil to convince those of this world that God is good and righteous and that Satan is the evil one that who, of whom they should be afraid. And that if they will turn to the one who is now their enemy. He will have mercy and pardon them and translate them into the kingdom of his dear son. Today I want to talk to you about who you are, where you are from, and who your father is. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ. And I also want to talk to you about because of who we are, because of where we are from, because of who our Father is, how you and I in this life can be a partaker of the divine nature of our Father. Number one, I want to say to you, I want to clarify to you and I this morning who we are. First Corinthians, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 22. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. We are there's two options for us this morning of who we are. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, we daily live out the fact that we are 
two different people in the sense that, I'm not talking about split personality here, but I'm, although, well, I won't go there. Okay, uh, let's spirit guide me. Here we go. <laughs> the son of Adam, our first person that we are is the son of Adam. When I was born to Paul and Beverly Williams in November 22nd, 1978, my kids think that was a long time ago. The other day, one of my kids said, that was 1992? Wow, that was a long time ago. <laughs> it was? <laughs> I remember those days. We were, I was born as the son of Adam. Meaning that my parents, going back and back and back and back, eventually came to Noah, who was on the flood, not on the boat in the flood, but going back from Noah all the way back to Adam, the Bible tells us that Adam was the beginning of the human race. And so I, as a natural being, a natural man, everyone that is born on this earth is a son of Adam. And unless I put my faith in Jesus Christ... I will be the son of Adam alone. As a son of Adam, we do as our father Adam did, and we break the commandments of God. And as we break the commandments of God, God says there's a penalty for breaking the commands of God, and that penalty is eternal separation from the loving, just, almighty God. But as a son of Adam... I have something in me that desires to do as my father Adam did, and therefore I'm a sinner, and because I have defied God by disobeying His commands, I am naturally the enemy of God. The Bible says that he that hath not the Son hath not life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Why? Because naturally, I'm, I'm not the friend of God. But the Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse 12, But as many as received him, Jesus Christ, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Jesus is the only begotten Son of God, and certainly God the Father said to Jesus Christ, Brother Hopper was talking about this morning, but the Trinity made a plan and they said, we are going to send Jesus Christ to the earth and he is going to come from the Father, come to the earth to die for the earth so that he might save the earth from Satan and sin. The Bible says creation itself groans waiting for the adoption of the sons because it is under the curse of sin of Adam. But the second mad Adam was made a quickening spirit and he, my friend, can make you alive in Jesus Christ. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. As a five-year-old boy in September of 1982, I realized my need of the Savior. I walked down the aisle and I, I was literally weeping. And my mother came up and she said, what's wrong? And I said, I, I, I'm, I'm lost. I'm without Christ. I, I'm going to go to hell. I want Jesus. My mother took me to the room on the side of the platform and showed me the scriptures. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That day I became the Son of God. Amen. 
I'm not the begotten son of God. I have earthly parents, both father and mother. But I'm a son of God. Number two, so we are a son of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Naturally the son of Adam, but the son of God by faith. Number two, we have to understand and continually tell ourselves as Christians, if I'm the son of God, where am I from? I'm not trying to get sci-fi or weird, but I'm telling you, if I'm the son of Adam, that means I'm from this earth. Is that correct? That means if I'm the son of God, where am I from? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 44 it is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last man, Adam, that is Jesus, was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit, that was not the first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. And afterward, that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth. That's our natural man. We're of the earth. The second man is the Lord from heaven. That's Jesus Christ. As is the earthy, so are they also that are earthy. And as the heavenly, so are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, that's our bodies, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit corruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality. So when this corruption shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So we understand that someday this earthly body, this tabernacle that I dwell in right now, the son of Adam, is either I'm going to die before Jesus Christ comes back, and it's going to go to the grave, and when Jesus calls, it's going to be resurrected, a not, no longer a mortal body, but an immortal body. It's not going to be resurrected a corruptible body, but it's going to be an incorruptible body. But I want to go a step further. This passage here is talking about the future. And I hope we can grasp this this morning, but God doesn't know time. The time was created when he created the world. You and I are trapped in a time. With God, the works were finished before the foundation of the world. I want, to see, I want you to see how God sees you and I as sons of God. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, and we won't read all verses for time's sake. 
and you, chapter 2, verse 1, and you, hath he quickened. That means made alive. He's already made you alive. You're already the Son of God who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air. In other words, you were, you were walking as the son, of, the son of, of, your, of, of the devil, but now the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others but God who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherein he, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. I want you to notice that word, hath quickened us. That word means it has already been done. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus in Christ I'm already seated in heavenly places God is my father and as Peter said in this world, we're just foreigners. We're just pilgrims and strangers. That leaves a very obvious point. Who is my father? God is my father. Spiritually, with Jesus Christ, I become the son of God. I believe our purpose now on this earth is to fulfill his will on this earth as his will is fulfilled in heaven. My friend, as a Christian, you are the true superhero. Did you know that God has given you the power to do things that are supernatural for his kingdom. Not to do things for our own purposes and sake, but for his kingdom's sake. God wants us to live in such a way that we can convince those around us that our Father has sent us to help them to see that he loves us and he wants us to be his children. And the only way that they will see it is if we can keep in our mind consistently who I am, where I'm from, and who my father is. You see, as I live like the world around me, I lose sight of who I am, where I'm from, and who my father is. And I start living like I'm the son of Adam that's from this earth. 
that's going to die on this earth. But as I keep in mind and keep in focus that I'm a son of God and I'm from heaven and I'm here to fulfill the purposes of my Father, I will live a different life, a life that others can see God through me and Jesus Christ through me. I can let my light shine that others may see my good works and glorify my Father which is in heaven. And they will say, there's nothing natural or normal about the life that you live. I don't understand it. I don't even say that I like it, but I want what you have because I want to be a part of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We read this morning, and I will make this last point quickly, I hope thoroughly. We read this morning in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4 that through the divine promises, sorry, through the precious promises, we are made partakers of the divine nature. That tells me that if I want others to see God in me, it's only going to be through the precious promises of God. In other words, if I get focused on this world, I'm not partaking of God's divine nature. But the more I understand who I am, where I'm from, and who my Father is, the more I partake in His divine nature through His promises. There are lots of promises. I challenge you to go home and look up and study the promises of God. You will find out that many times, often, if not always, the promises have a condition. And it is in meeting those conditions that those promises make us partakers of the divine nature. We could go through many, I think of this morning as we saw Brother Josh Smith there, and he's already sent me back many photos and many things of things I won't repeat because he's got family here, although he probably showed them also. Snakes and scorpions and such. But what's the promise? Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. So Brother Josh and his family this morning, they're superheroes. They're doing something that is beyond human nature and self. Because they're partakers through the precious promise. You and I, where we are, can do the same thing. I want to give you one promise today and the condition of the promise. And I don't think I will elaborate on it. I just want you to think about it, what it means for you and I. Turn to I'm looking, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And verse 11. O ye Corinthians, your mouth is open unto, uh, our mouth is open unto you, our heart is enlarged. You are not straightened at us, we are straightened in your own bowels. Ye are straightened in your own bowels. Not for a recompense in the same, I speak as unto my children, be ye also enlarged. It means grow. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness? with unrighteousness. And what communion hath light 
with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God, that's you and I, with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing. And here's the promise. The condition is, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean. Here's the promise, and I will be, I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. This is talking to Christians. He's not saying, if you live right, you're going to be the child of God. We've already established that by faith we're the children of God. But God doesn't say, I will become your father if you do these things. He says, if you do these things, I will be a father unto you. In other words, you're going to live with the mind frame of who my father is, and he's going to be watching over you, and he's going to partake, you're going to be a partaker of his divine nature. Look at verse chapter 7 and verse 1. Having therefore these promises. Dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Having these promises. Peter said, through the precious promises, we are partakers of the divine nature. Can I testify this morning? times where I failed to come out from the world and be separate. I lost focus of who I was, where I was from, and who my father was. I didn't fully help people to see that God desires to save them. From the, from the prince of the power of the air, Satan. But as I obey God and I come out, I'm in the world, Jesus said, but not of the world. And I be separate. I cleanse myself. I become a partaker of his divine nature. And I escape the lusts that are in this world. My question for us this morning is, are we partakers of the divine nature? Through faith, I believe that God's promises are true. I'm living not for this world, but for another world by faith. Are we partakers? Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Father.